Uh, when my daughter applied to her first college, she was still a high school junior. But I figured, well, the application was open. It had a checkbox as to which semester you would actually start. And I told her, I said, well, nothing's going to change in the next six months. You've already got your ACT and SAT scores. Your GPA is not going to change. It's not like you're changing your activities or your leadership roles. You might as well just go ahead and fill out the app. And she did. Well, Kanisha, three days later, she got a phone call from the office at this college. And when he asked for my daughter, I said, this is her mother. How may I help you? And he responded, this is, he introduced himself and the college he was calling from. He said, we received your daughter's application, but did not receive the application fee. Now, Kanisha, my heart stopped at that point because come on, that's following directions, right? right? They didn't get the fee. Oh my gosh. What did you do out? What else did you do wrong? Right. Right. So then he continues and we'd like to offer her tuition, fees, room, board, and books, but we need the fee to process the scholarship. You're listening to the Coach Up Podcast, where coaches come to learn how to build their coaching businesses to six figures and beyond. I'm Kanisha Hart, your host. Here on the podcast, I get the privilege of interviewing coaches who've already made six and seven figures in their coaching business and are willing to pull back the veil and share with you the strategies, the habits, the techniques, and the tools they use to build to that level so you can do the same. Whether you are a new coach just starting out, or you've been in the business for a while, but you aren't seeing the growth and the revenue you desire, the Coach Up podcast will give you insight on what you can do next and what you can do now to accelerate or revive growth in your business. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Coach Up podcast. Let's go ahead and get into it. Oh, when I tell you, you are in for a treat today. I am talking with Denise Thomas, and she is talking about something that if you have children, if you want to go back to school, you want to hear this interview. She is talking about something that can be game-changing for your life financially, for the life of your children financially, and about breaking the belief barrier that college is expensive, that college costs money, and that you're going to have to go into debt to go to college, to get a degree, to further your education. And it's just not true. But nobody can tell you about how you can break that lie, how you can debunk that myth in your own life better than Denise Thomas. And so let's get into this interview. You will not want to miss a minute of it because the information that she is going to share today is life-changing. Let's not waste another second. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Coach Up Podcast with Denise Thomas. Let's go. Denise, thank you so much for being here on the Coach Up Podcast. I'm Denisha Hart, your host, and I am here with Denise, who does something that if you have anybody in your house who is in the seventh grade, and she may say earlier or later, but seventh grade up to the 12th grade, you need to hear from this woman. And so with that just tantalizing little tidbit I'm going to throw out there, Denise, will you tell people who you are and what you do? And then you all will understand why my voice is so excited to talk to her today. 
Well, Kanisha, thank you so much for having me on your show. I can't tell you how excited I am to bring this to your audience. I am Denise Thomas, and I am your debt-free college coach. I work with parents to put their kids through college debt-free, and it's it's an interesting concept with what I do because it's not your typical, what I like to call high school to college roadmap that your high school counselor would use. And the reason is this, uh, when I started doing the research for my own children who were homeschooled, I found some really interesting facts. And one of those facts is that yes, 70% of college students graduate with some amount of student loan debt. We hear about that all the time, especially when it becomes a political football. But I wanted to focus on that 30%. What are they doing that the rest of us don't know about? And it turns out there's a lot of things that we've been told and have had set in our psyche for the last three decades that in all honesty is what's keeping our kids in debt. So what I did is I worked through all of the research and the things that I found that some of these kids were doing. And, and in my brain, I said, okay, so what's logical? I'm a computer programmer by trade. Logic is my thing. I want to know where it is, what it is, why it is, and let's just get off our butt and do it. So anything that sounded logically that it might impact college acceptance or winning scholarships, I implemented with my kids. Now, I had no idea if this was going to work, none whatsoever. I was desperate. I was a mom. You know, moms are desperate. You want your kids to go to college and you don't want to raid your own retirement to do so. So in implementing these steps, it made sense to me. And when my daughter, who's the oldest, started applying to scholarships and began applying to colleges, the results were absolutely mind-blowing. It, it, was, it was just something that neither of us had any idea what was going to happen. And I'll give you an example. Uh, when my daughter applied to her first college, she was still a high school junior. But I figured, well, the application was open. It had a checkbox as to which semester you would actually start. And I told her, I said, well, nothing's going to change in the next six months. You've already got your ACT and SAT scores. Your GPA is not going to change. It's not like you're changing your activities or your leadership roles. You might as well just go ahead and fill out the app. And she did. Well, Kanisha, three days later, she got a phone call from the office at this college. And now here's the deal. Here's this man calling for my 16-year-old daughter, mm. which, is, which is why I ask my families, please put the parent phone number on these applications because A, you don't know who's calling, but B, uh, you want to make sure your kid who is not as mature as you think they are is going to follow through on whatever phone calls they get, right? So right. luckily I had my phone number on there. And when he asked for my daughter, I said, this is her mother, how may I help you? And he responded, this is, he introduced himself and the college he was calling from. He said, we received your daughter's application, but did not receive the application fee. Now, Kanisha, my heart stopped at that point because come on, that's following directions, right? right? They didn't get the fee. Oh my gosh. What did you do out? What else did you do wrong? Right. Right. 
So then he continues. And we'd like to offer her tuition, fees, room, board, and books. But we need the fee to process the scholarship. Now my jaw dropped at that point. Right. Now I've got my daughter on speakerphone. And at the same time, I'm doing this little timeout thing because both of us are about to jump up and down for joy. But I'm skeptical. So then I said, you do know she's a junior thinking he made a mistake, right? You know, she's, she's not going this fall. You know, she's going to be another year and a half away. He said, yes, ma'am, we'll wait for her. They were going to hold a full ride scholarship because of this application. Okay. So, okay, so that was cool. And there were other cool things that were occurring at about the same time. She applied to a national scholarship, a private scholarship, that was $10,000 for the first place. She won. And the company flew her entire family to their national conference so that they could give her the big check on the stage. Now, we continued this process with my daughter and over and over again, the the response was just crazy. Uh, For example, one of the colleges that she applied to we had not visited the school until after the application was submitted. Most of them we did we did visit first. But this one, we walked into the office and there were several other families. So they put us all in a conference room and they had this little, looked like a teenager, but I'm sure an undergrad walking in with a clipboard asking for the students' names in the room. When they got to my daughter's name, she said, oh, you're the one. So evidently, my daughter's application at this college had made the rounds at the office. Right. A third thing that made us realize we were doing something different. Now, you can only choose one college. I don't care how many you apply to. She applied to eight. They were public schools, private schools across three different states. And eventually I was able to get her to narrow down her choices and she finally picked one. Now, my daughter is the kind of kid that, you know, well, she's a Southern belle, let me put it that way. And so she, you know, being from the South, she's going to write a formal letter withdrawing her application to the other schools. And she did so. Well, then she gets a phone call from one of the schools she had turned down a private school in another state. And they asked, what can we do to get you to come here? Now, Kanisha's schools don't call kids. Right. Right. And she had a phone call from one offering her a full ride scholarship. They didn't want her to get away. And another saying, what else can we do? Because we, you know, they had literally envisioned her making an impact on their campus and as an alumni, and they wanted to make sure she was gonna go there. And that is one of the things that 
I realized later that we were doing differently with this program or strategy that we were putting together. And I, I asked her years later, I said, you know, when I finally got around to, to believing maybe this is something other people could use, she, I asked my daughter, I said, what, what's different about what we did versus whatever else is out there? And without skipping a beat, she said, it's the difference between Six Flags and Disney World. They both have the same components, food, ride, entertainment. But Disney does two things differently, marketing and storytelling. Mm. And that is what this strategy does. We are marketing your child to the college telling the story of who your child is. You see, I, I didn't realize how big of a difference this was until I started thinking about that one school who came back and said, what else can we do? What can we do to get you to come here? You have to remember that colleges read thousands upon thousands of applications every year. Right. They've got decades of experience. So they know what they're looking at and they do a pretty darn good job of foretelling the type of adult they are bringing into their school. What kind of an alumni will you be? And I realized that that's a really important part of this game, this, you know, this high school to college strategy, because it's not just about grades you know, GPA and test scores do still matter. But that's just one part of the process. It's just one piece of that puzzle that colleges are looking for. So now I've got another kid. I've got a son five years younger. Can we do that again? Turns out we can. Wow. He also was offered a full ride scholarship. And by the way, both kids turned it down. Different schools. And the reason was because they had additional private scholarships that stacked on top of whatever scholarship the other schools were offering. So the bottom line was they weren't going to pay for college anyway. Between the two of them, they won 17 scholarships, totaling almost $200,000. Off of just 17 scholarships? Yeah. Yep. Because some of the scholarships were in the $30,000, $32,000 range. Did not even know that those existed. Oh, yes. And what's interesting is that, you know, I, I hear families question things like, Denise, I can't find any scholarships for my kids. The only thing I can find is for name a demographic you're not, name a pay range you're not. And it's like, okay, tell me a few things about your kid and I'll call you back in 10 minutes. There are 1.8 million private scholarships out there totaling $23 billion given away every year. Billion. With a B. Denise. The money is out there. It's knowing how to find it and knowing what it takes to win. So two things that I find, 
a lot of parents just don't know how to do the search or when they're searching and their kids are applying, the kids are applying to the wrong scholarships, not something that they really have a chance to win. It, it's not something that they care about in their heart. And understanding the differences, uh, kids tend to answer the wrong question. When an essay question says something like, and this is another, com there's probably about 20 common essay questions for scholarships of all kinds, whether it's coming from the college itself or coming from a private entity. One of the more common ones will be, tell me about someone who inspires you. Now, Kanisha, that can be anyone. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It can be, it can be, it can be grandma. It can be Jesus. It just doesn't matter. Cause mm -hmm. trust me, they've heard it all. <laughs> okay. But the question is not about the person that inspires you. The operative word is how that person inspires you, mm. student. And 90 plus percent of the time, the kid is going to write about grandma or Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautifully written essay, but that's the wrong essay. Makes sense. They want to know about you. So you can start off with grandma's wonderful pasta that you have every other Sunday when you visit and you can end with grandma's pasta or whatever at the end but in between you're talking about how grandma's pasta inspired you to become a chef or to enjoy cooking contests and winning and now that now you're selling your prize winning cheesecakes you know to your friends and family as a as an entrepreneurial venture as a kid. But most kids are answering the wrong question. Wow. Denise, one, congratulations on being curious enough to figure out what the other 30% were doing. And then I do call that. it desperate. <laughs> that works too. But you, you truly did something that a lot of people wish they could do. But in that, you learned a lot just with the last example that you gave, knowing how to answer the question or knowing the right scholarship to apply for. So I'm gonna start there. How do people know the right scholarship to apply for? Well, I'm glad you asked that. There are, first of all, and I I, I need parents to listen real closely you know if if you're a parent a grandparent an aunt an uncle listen carefully to this statement private scholarships for college begin as early as kindergarten there is a scholarship out there for almost everyone that your kid can apply for there are scholarships for almost every thing your kid has an interest in. There's a zombie apocalypse scholarship. I kid you not. There is a scholarship for everything. However, if you run across a scholarship whose application essay is asking about, tell me about your favorite ice cream flavor, and your kid is lactose intolerant, guess what? It's not the right essay. Because I don't care how eloquently it's written. Think think about it this way. And I, I know a lot of people don't get it. And trust me, I don't either. Because 
I'm not woo. Okay. A lot of people are, and they probably get it. I don't, whatever, just don't try to talk me into it. Cause I don't get it. I'm not that kind of person, but here's the thing. When you are reading a novel or, you know, a magazine article, whatever the emotions are of the writer as they are penning that work somehow by some method those emotions come through the written page it takes you somewhere the same thing is true when your child is writing their college essay for their college applications and for their private essays to do this right you have to understand that and you have to talk to the audience that's going to be reading it. And you don't want to waste time writing something that is taking you forever, like pulling teeth to get any words on a page with 1.8 million scholarships available. Trust me, there's more you can apply for. Throw that one in the trash. Try again. Okay. Don't work hard on something that takes too much effort to write, to even get that draft going. There's plenty, plenty, plenty out there and more coming in every day. So people may hear this, Denise, and they may say, well, even if my child is passionate about it, they're not a great essay writer or they don't have the grades, what have you. So my first question is, did you did you help your daughter and your son with writing their essays or do they have a talent in that area? Well, I will say that I did not feel um, as a homeschool mom, I did not feel capable of teaching my kids writing. So when the two of them became 16 or 17 years old, I sent them to the local community college for the creative writing class. That's the English 101 or 1001 and 1002, whatever. That's the first and second, the first year of English is a composition course. Because I, I, I'm really good at evaluating writing, but I can't teach it. That's not my forte. So I sent them away to be taught how to do that. Now, I'll be totally honest with you. I firmly believe that if your child is a reader, if they read great works of literature, if they read voraciously, you will have no trouble with your kids coming up getting really great SAT or ACT scores with really great GPA. There's something about reading that I believe makes a tremendous difference in the outcome. Uh, and there's more to it than that, of course, because GPA and test scores, although that will get your kid you know, noticed to some degree, it, it is a piece of the puzzle. It's not the only piece. There are kids with perfect GPAs and perfect test scores that are rejected from colleges every single day. It's not enough. However, that said, when it comes to private scholarships, the vast majority do not ask for GPA or test scores or family income. When I was in California before COVID, I was on a stage, I mean, literally like two days before they shut the world down. I stepped off the stage and I had given my general presentation and a mom came up to me and said, 
your kids must be geniuses because my kid applied to 40 scholarships and won none. And my heart sank because what I did not say from the stage is that literally 50% of the scholarships my kids won did not ask for GPA or test scores. Literally $100,000 worth wasn't even a factor, was simply writing your opinion on a topic. Some of that can be just 250 words. That's what, a paragraph or okay. so? It's not, even, it's not even a lot, right? So, and as far as income is concerned, one of the things I do here occasionally is all I see is scholarships for low income or need-based scholarships. Okay, let me address that for everyone. Have you always dreamed of doing voiceover from home but have no idea how to get started? My name's Jesse Carroll and I put together the perfect course for you. It's called the Voiceover Jumpstart Course. It's a course that's designed to take you from knowing absolutely nothing about voiceover all the way to everything you need to know to be a working professional in only six weeks. So if you want more information, head over to jessicarrollcoaching.com and you can even book a one-on-one -on -one call with me if you want to find out if it's right for you. So thanks for listening to the Coach Up Podcast and hope to see you in the course. What drove me to the desperation of finding this information out for my own kids is that my husband had been laid off from a job he had held for 15 years. And right along that same time, the stock market crashed. So we had to use what was left in the stock market, what was left in savings to pay the bills, because that's what we do. We do pay our bills regardless, job or not. The money's there, we pay our bills. The problem is that the money was running out really fast because we actually had two houses at the time. So we had no choice but to declare bankruptcy. We had enough to pay the bankruptcy attorney and buy a lawnmower and trailer and start mowing lawns to put food on the table. The bankruptcy was liquidation. If you could touch it, it was sold books, toys, Christmas decorations, furniture, uh, pots and pans. I literally had to sell a pot I was cooking my dinner in at the time. A woman made an offer for five bucks on my Magnolite pot and I had to sell it. Wow. So we were starting out with nothing right before my daughter was starting high school. So we moved into a small apartment with this lawnmower and trailer and it was probably three or four months after getting settled that it suddenly hit me. My daughter was starting high school. College is around the corner. How are we going to pay for this? And that's when that desperation hit. And I started doing the research. Now, a lot of families hearing that story will say, oh, that's, that's why your kids won these scholarships, because you, you were poverty level. Okay, yeah, but that was brief. That lawn mowing company was up to six figures in probably six months. Congrats. Thank you. Trust me, you can do this even if all you do is mow lawns. So when we were looking at these scholarships, and yes, you will find scholarships that have a need-based component, but read the details. If 
if the scholarship criteria does not specifically say must have an income less than X dollars or must be on the lunch program at school, apply. Yes, they are going to ask for the family income and you will write that number down. But what you don't know is how much of an impact that piece of that nine page application really qualifies. It may be 10% of the application, not 90%. So unless it completely disqualifies you, apply. Mm. It reminds me of you will only make any of the shots you actually take. And you 100%. Want none of the ones you don't. Okay. I love that quote. I, 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 I need to put that on my wall. That's a good one. Um, I'm just pretty take sure the was, shot. Yes, just, just take the shot. I think that's Michael Jordan, I think. Um, okay. So I'm curious, just a quick stat. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then I want to get into the marketing portion. And thank you for explaining. I, I admire that you know your strengths and limitations, and then you go figure out how to um, leverage what you need to, to get what you need, such as knowing you were not a strong writer. And so you sent your your kids somewhere else to do that. Um, and I think a lot of times we have this mentality that I have to be able to do everything. True. And that unfortunately causes us to not only hinder ourselves and cause a lot of frustration for ourselves, but can hinder the people we're trying to help. And that that's in life, whether you're on a business or a parent, kid, what have you. Um, so kudos for doing that. But how many scholarships did you guys apply for to get those 17? I'm glad you asked that. I did ask my daughter, because um, don't ask me why, but you know how things just disappear that are on your computer, who knows? And because um, we used to keep track, and I do suggest that my parents keep track uh, on a spreadsheet, the scholarships that they're applying for, the date they apply, the date that they're expected to announce the winner, et cetera, so that you know going forward if you're going if you won or not. If if you're applying for a scholarship, a lot of families will start with asking the question, "Well, how will I know?" It doesn't matter, hun. That's in the past. You hit send, and you're done. You move on to the next essay. That's sure. it, because you're gonna lose. Mm -hmm. Not only are you gonna lose scholarships that are private scholarships, you're gonna lose applications for college applications. It's a given. Get over it right now you will lose. However, done properly, you will win 10 to 20% of the scholarships you apply for. Okay. Now that may seem like, oh, is it worth it? 200 grand? You bet your buns it's worth it. Absolutely. My daughter, when we calculated what was her dollars per hour that she was making on these scholarship essays, she was making more than $250 per hour. With the time with she the, was put in. Even with the 80 scholarships. Wow. I know someone who, I kid you not, was making almost two grand per hour. It is a numbers game, but you still have to do it right. Okay, so then back to what you were just talking about, Denise. 
people would be concerned about the income, okay? Not necessarily. People would say, your daughter and your son were great writers. You took care of that. But then other people would say, but your children had to be doing multiple things that they were involved in at school in order to have this amazing resume, in order to be able to qualify for any of these scholarships and for these college applications, for them people to call three days after they send the application. My kid's not like that, Denise. What do you have oh, to say? Oh, oh, uh, look, I, out of the many years I've been doing this, I've only run into one child whose family said that their kid did nothing other than academics. Like all they did was their schoolwork. Okay. It's almost impossible to be that child. I mean, like seriously, and they're not a client. They were just someone that I spoke with on the phone. And usually the parent will chime in with the kid says, no, I, I don't do anything. And, and the, usually, the parent, oh yeah, sure you do. You do this, you do this, you know. Because there's stuff kids don't know how to count. Now, had I gotten on a, a client call, I would have pushed much harder. Because I, I have a, I, and by the way, I take families as young as middle school all the way through college. I actually have a college level program because scholarships don't stop just because your kid starts, high, starts college. So one of my college families, I had spoken with the dad for like an hour on the phone. And this is prior to the purchase and they purchased the program and he gets to a port in the program where he's filling, he's giving me his kids a resume to review. I sent it back to him. I said, uh-uh, this isn't even close. We talked for an hour about all the things your kid has been doing. Do over. <laughs> Do I need to send you the recording, the replay, you know? <laughs> So okay. we have this perception of what counts in air quotes, but the truth is literally everything counts. I don't care if your kid is uh, in youth group at church. It counts. What are they doing in youth group at church? Um, let's see. Well, maybe they lead a little Bible study within youth group. Maybe when the church has a I don't know, whatever program that the church has seasonally, maybe a spring thing or whatever, maybe the youth group as a group is doing something in particular. Guess what? That counts. Your kid is partaking in that. What kind of camps and summer things are your kids doing? They're not a bump on the log. And if by some chance a parent says, I swear to the God that is in heaven, all my kid does is play video games. Awesome. I want you to teach your kid how to code and have him sell video games to his friends. There is always something we can work with. And as far as what my kids did, okay, I'll tell you what my kids did. They each had their thing that they had been doing for years, their, their thing that they grew up doing, or they started doing when they were nine, 10 or 11 years old. So my son was into martial arts and my daughter was into dance. Um, she did the ballet thing and stuff for a while, but then she transitioned to ballroom dancing because that's what my dad did. Her grandfather was a ballroom dancer. So she did that. But although that was their one thing, they also had little things. They did participate in church. 
that did go to a summer camp of some kind. Um, let's see, my son not only being in youth group, but he played guitar for the youth band or something like that. You know, there's other things that your kids do besides the thing that they do. Mm. Everything counts. And, and here's the kicker. When you start writing all this stuff down and you start realizing, and you may have to go back to your cell phone and find those pictures from two, three, and four years ago, you might have to ask a friend, go, go through your calendar. What was on your calendar back then? You might have to ask the parent of your kid's friends. Uh, okay, so I know Johnny and Jackie did something last summer. I just, you know, two summers ago, they went to some kind of camp. What was it about? I don't remember. And try to remember what that, because it might've been something that was only a week or five days or three days or a weekend. Right. Everything counts. Write it all down. Now, here's something that is important with writing it all down. When my son was in college, he not only had a resume for internships and general stuff like that. Well, first of all, the resumes have changed since you and I were in school, by the way, and colleges are not teaching the resume properly. So do not count on your uh, career center at your local college or your kid's university to really know what they're doing. Just saying. Things have changed. But there's also something called the federal resume. And the federal resume is a completely different structure than the resume to a regular employer. The federal resume goes to any employer whose website ends in .gov, G-O-V. It can be state, it can be national, it can be a, it, it could even be a subcontractor that's using a .gov, whatever. But anything that's a .gov uh, website will require the federal resume. The federal resume is your child's CV going all the way back through high school. Everything they've ever done, not just employment, not just leadership, literally everything. Okay, so you just dropped a whole bar unexpected. This, the federal resume is used for what? Any company, any company that has a .gov. So if your child would like to work for NASA, let's say, mm -hmm. they're going to require the federal resume. If your child wants an internship or even postgraduate employment as a civilian employee with, let's say, the uh, National Research Laboratory or, or the Navy or the Air Force, they have civilian employees. You don't have to be, you know, uh, an actual military individual. There's, there are, there's employment for almost every college major at all of these institutions. Okay. You could maybe even work for your governor's office. One of the, one of the opportunities that opened up for my daughter was the local governor's office uh, was looking for an event planner. Hmm. It's a .gov. You got to have a federal resume. 
is this for children under a certain age? Because adults, I have never heard adults who applied for the government jobs say this. It would be, it would be for adults age 18 and up most of the time, sometimes 16 and up, but mostly 18 and up. Okay. I know it's crazy. That is absolutely insane. I have never heard this. But it's so cool because, and the reason is this, the normal resume is one page. I don't, I mean, it's going to be one page. So you're probably 40 years old. <laughs> one side of one page most of the time. But the federal government agencies realize that there's more to you than that one page. They want to know who you are completely. And they realize, especially college students, hon, you don't have time to do a bunch of stuff during college. All you have time for in a lot of different college majors is just the college major, just the school part. You're lucky if you can handle one club, much less leadership and something and also and whatever, whatever. But your high school career has more opportunities. So again, you have to make everything count. And starting at the younger age in middle school really does help. And although colleges and employers don't look at what your kid does during middle school, but what they are doing during middle school, what you're doing is you're helping them set up those opportunities for high school. What do you mean? Well, for example, we, we know that GPA is important. So during high, during middle school, you can help your children to understand the importance of study skills and show them, teach them study skills. Also beginning to teach things like logic and discernment and critical thinking. It's really a lot easier than parents think. And as you mentioned earlier, there are things that we don't know that we need to know about. And part of it is that we think something's too hard. Well, I can't do that. So maybe I shouldn't, but there's a resource out there for everything under the sun, especially today. Oh my goodness. With the internet today, Google is your friend. Yeah, it really is. There's an opportunity for your kids to learn pretty much anything, whether you know how to teach it or not. Okay. So I'm going to get to the obvious question that everybody is waiting on me to ask, Denise. Not yet, but I'm going to get to, Denise, how do you find these scholarships? But I'm not there yet because I have a okay. quick question about two things you said. The first one will be shorter than the second one, I'm sure. Um, but first, did you have any problems getting your children to fill out these applications? Was it was it a tug of war? Was it? painful? Did you have to do half of the application and they just wrote the essay? Because I'm sure they're parents who are thinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk. I would love to talk about that. Okay. So when I'm talking to the parent in the course and I teach parents, I don't teach kids. There, there is the rare occasion where a family will come to me and say, Denise, I've got three jobs and seven kids. Johnny has to take the class and that's fine. But that doesn't happen often. I generally speak to the parents in my course. So here's the thing. When it comes to who does what and what is required, it is perfectly legitimate and fine for the parent, especially if you're a stay-at-home parent who's who maybe if, if even if you have a stay-at-home parent job, you're not maybe your time is not all that consumed. And you can split some of that uh 
these things that have to be done. For example, you can split searching the different scholarship databases between yourself and your children. You can split the work where, yes, the applications for the scholarships will have a piece at the top that's going to have name, address, phone number, whatever, what you know, all this demographic information. And then there's going to be the essay. So although my husband and I have always owned a business, I was homeschooling. I still had time. So I did that piece. I wrote name, address, phone number on the application. And I would send my kid either via email or handing it to them. Here's the essay prompt due in two weeks. Yeah. And they would get it back to me. Or I would send them the link. Here's the link. Do your essay. Here's the essay prompt and the link for it. So they would type it out, type out their essay. When they were cool with it, they would literally copy it and paste it into the form. So there's definitely some uh, partnership, I feel, with helping your kids with scholarships. For us, it wasn't like pulling teeth or, quote, getting them to do it because they understood the consequences. They needed to do this in order to get enough money for college. Also, I will mention this. I'm a big proponent of Dave Ramsey. Um, his financial peace program and foundations of financial peace for kids really set my kids on a good path. It's great when someone else is showing your child the math on why having a loan and interest on that loan, how it steals from your retirement versus mm -hmm. let's put money away and use the interest on that. It's a different kind of interest. It's the better kind. And what does that, what happens after that? As a matter of fact, in my TEDx talk, one of the things that we talk about and I show the audience is when kids have the, what's, what's called the average student loan debt, which is about a little over $30,000 to you and I, that's a car note. That's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's just not. But that $400 per month over 10 years for your kid just coming out of school, especially if, if they did not choose a degree program that has a career that, ha that makes them some money, right. 400 bucks can be a lot. Now they've taken 10 years to pay that off. Okay. Then now they're in a better position they're no longer paying that debt. Maybe in 10, 10 years, they should have a better income. So that 400 bucks isn't too hard to part with. Now they can start putting it into their retirement investments. That 10 year difference of paying that debt versus paying it for yourself, starting on at age 22 versus starting at age 32, 22 being when they get out of college, that difference is $2.8 million lost at retirement, all because of the time value of money. The Coachup Podcast is open to sponsors. If you have a product, a service, if you are a coach of coaches, your business serves coaches. This is the place where you want to spotlight and highlight your business. If you would like to, 
grab your own sponsorship spot on the Coach Up podcast. You can reach out to me at coachup at gmx.us today to reserve your spot for us to talk about how you can get in front of this growing audience. And the amazing thing is because the Coach Up podcast is still new, you will be able to get in for extremely reasonable rates for a much longer time for your product, your service, your company to be in front of this growing audience of coaches. So take advantage today. If you would like to hear how you can spotlight your business on the Coach Up podcast, Now, when kids are shown this, when they're shown the math by someone other than mom and dad, it makes a difference. My kids took Dave Ramsey's class probably about age 12, 12 or 13. And by age 16, they both had bought their own car with their own money, saving up like $5,000, $6,000 or so. They both had a Mustang. And that set them on the path of being able to save money, not spend it. And Dave does talk about scholarships for college. So they started early understanding the concept, although they didn't start applying until later, but they understood the concept early on. You know, I know that there will be individuals who hear this who may beat themselves up and say, oh my goodness, I didn't know about this or I didn't do that for my child and now they're 16 or they're 17. And what I will always always say is you do better when you know better, right? And that's Maya Angelou, right? So when you know better, you do better. And if you don't have the knowledge, you can't, you don't know what you don't know. But that's why it's so great that once you're introduced to it, then you're accountable for it. (laughs) Her pastors say all the time, You've heard this message. Now you're accountable. <laughs> so, I love that. Right. And so it's great to, to share what you guys did for your children. Amazing. And I don't want anybody to think, oh, we didn't do that. We failed. No, you either just didn't know or life just got in the way that that wasn't a priority. But now exactly. that you're getting the information, knowing that what you can do for your children, knowing how you can set your children up and ultimately do for yourself, especially if you're planning to pay for some of this college yeah, and contribute, yeah. then do something with that information now. Exactly. So, I have parents that, well, it didn't work for their kids, but now they're they're helping their nieces and nephews, you know, or their grandkids. So absolutely, yes, absolutely. My best friend, who I give a shout out to whenever I can. Um, she has three beautiful children who are all my godchildren, and we will definitely be using this information. So, thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. You know, it's it's funny. I I teach at homeschool conferences and um and at uh, financial conferences as well. And every now and then, a parent will come up to me and say, "You know, I, I think it's too young because my kid is, you know." six, seven, eight years old. And then I'll, I'll hit them with the bombshell that scholarships actually begin in kindergarten. I actually have families on my email list with children as young, whose oldest child is as young as seven years old wow. because they are determined to keep this top of mind, to make sure that they don't forget. Right. And I don't send a lot of emails, so I don't bomb your email. So it's, it's, it's easy enough. But what I actually tell families is this. 
Everybody's got a phone. Put me in your contacts and use keywords like college or scholarships or something you might remember down the road uh, to try to help you to be able to search. Cause you're not gonna remember name, my name or the company name or anything like that. Just because I'm still going to be around. My whole purpose in life is to get this college debt thing turned around because I believe it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So marketing, you mentioned marketing. Oh, yes. Um, no, there was another question before that one. You mentioned that there are scholarships that children can get in college. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't stop. Look, scholarships, yes, they begin in kindergarten, but they go all the way through professional schools. There are scholarships for law school students, for medical school students. If you look at the 1.8 million scholarships available, think of it as a pile of money. And in that pile, the tippy top of that pile is high school seniors. So the vast majority of that 1.8 million, probably a million plus, is going to be only for high school seniors. But if you come down each side of that mountain, at the bottom of each side, on one side, you've got kindergarten. There's like two maybe for age four and five years old. And as you go up that side of the mountain, there are a couple of handfuls of scholarships for under age 13. There are several hundred available for high school freshmen, sophomore, and juniors. Then I mentioned seniors. Coming back down the other side, there are several hundred thousand scholarships available for current college students. Many, although not all, are going to, to be specific to your child's college major. And then going down even further would be graduate students. And then the post-grad higher level students as well. And yes, there are scholarships for trade school and community college. Again, just not as many. Gotcha. Because I was curious, can an adult yeah. out of school? And adults returning back? to school, yes. Yeah. Scholarships for that. I have a, a parent, a single mom, who took the course for her son, who was coming up through high school. When her son started college on multiple scholarships, she decided to go back to school about six months later. Using the same strategies, she's also attending college on multiple scholarships. Her extra scholarships are building her emergency fund. This works for everyone. Wow. Amazing. Okay. That's what we need to hear. Okay. So you started with marketing. You started with you market, you help parents market their children as well as get them debt-free free school. What does the marketing mean? Okay. So if you think about marketing a business, we, we think about marketing and branding as a business. Uh, we, we think about colors, branding colors. We think about uh, maybe having a a branding mantra or a saying or tagline. But what it really is, is how people feel about your brand as a company. Same is true for your child. 
that brand, your child has a brand. That's the very first thing we start with when we talk about my cracking the code to free college course. Your child has a brand and that brand is based on their values and their character. So we start by evaluating what that is. What do they want to be known for in this world? Who are they? From that point, now we're developing the things your child loves around that persona, around who your child wants to be perceived as. You know, it's interesting. You can always tell when you go to a, you know, a, a, a party or a cocktail party or something, there are certain people who, when they walk into a room, their mere presence makes everyone stop and look right? And that's what you're looking for in your child. Who are they in this world? Some parents will say, well, my kid, you know, we're, we're not on social media. We're not this, we're not that. Well, guess what? They will be. And they need to understand that branding and social media and having a website, having a LinkedIn page, all of that is imperative today. But just like with the brand for your business, it needs to be consistent across everything for your child. Because when, not if, a college, a scholarship committee, or an employer looks for your child online, you want to make sure they find your kid and you want to make sure they find what you want them to find. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that you just said a LinkedIn in yes. relation to a child. Yes. High school kids need to have a LinkedIn profile, at least late high school, at least junior, senior year, for sure. So that would mean if they're not quote unquote working, you're putting down the same thing you would put. Not necessarily. Yes. So you think about it this way. Yeah. They have an interest. Mm -hmm. For example, um, I've got a kid who's into um aerospace and stuff so on linkedin they can like follow whatever you want to call it on linkedin follow i think um lockheed martin or raytheon or nasa everyone's going to see that it's showing an early interest in those areas of life in that expertise in that type of business that is good. It's the, it's the little things that people just dismiss or forget about. And you it said all, it all comes together. Yeah. You know, it's the little things. People forget about them. They do. Or dismiss they, it, you know. They make, a, they make us up as a person. You also mentioned website, Denise. Yes. A website. Yes. Your kid can have, your website can be your uh, resume or your college application, so to speak, because college application is actually like a resume. So your, your child's website can be their resume come to life. Their college application is black and white. Mm -hmm. Website is not, it's full of color, got pictures, all kinds of cool things. So the college application or the resume may have, uh, let's say your child pet puppies at the local, you know, Humane Society or whatever. Now you have pictures 
kid petting puppies, or maybe they are an assistant coach at whatever baseball team. You have pictures of your child kneeling, talking to a three-year-old. A picture, you know, says a thousand words, right? It does, absolutely. Okay, so I have to get to the question that everybody has been waiting for me to ask, Denise, that I know you get asked every time you speak. How do people find these scholarships? You mentioned databases in yes. life. There are, okay, so first of all, Google is your friend. Make friends with Google. Uh, someone once told me that my Google account is probably worth more than a million dollars. And he's probably right, because when I do any search on Google, I get the answer like that. Whereas some people will use Google and ask the same darn question and they are going, it's going to take them hours and they still aren't coming up with the same thing that literally it gave it to me exactly what I wanted. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's just hilarious. I don't understand how it works, but I think that, well, come on, we all know that Google has been an AI for many, many, many right. years. And yeah. so it knows what you want. And I've been searching for scholarships for so long. It just happens whether I'm looking for scholarships or anything else. It just knows what I'm looking for. Hmm. Uh, I think I was, what I, I was looking yesterday or the day before someone in my circle was looking for opportunities for her children to do speaking competitions and couldn't find any that they would qualify for, that kids would qualify for. And as she was talking to someone else about something else, I just did a quick search. And I said, I'm gonna put three of them in the in the, in the chat box for you. How did you find that? I said, well, I just did, here's the search. This is, all, I don't know, it just happens, whatever. But as for how to find scholarships, Google is your friend, do a Google search, and you will run across these databases. There are plenty. However, there is a strategy for using databases that is not going to bombard your email with a bunch of garbage. So please don't just willy-nilly start registering for databases to look for scholarships for your kids. I have a, a YouTube link, and I guess I can get that to you as well, uh, That is that shows you exactly how to utilize one of the largest databases in the country. It's one of my faves because it does have the majority of that 1.8 million scholarships in that one database. Um, yeah. So, but in addition, think about the things that your kids are interested in. If you have younger kids, as I mentioned, under age 13, there's only a couple handfuls. So literally Google search scholarships or college scholarships for under age 13. Done. That's all you need. You will find every one of them right there. That's right. it. A few of them will be, anybody can apply. And a few of them will have something like, okay, you need to work with a team. It needs to be engineering or it needs to be eco, whatever, you know. So some of them are going to be really niche and very specific, but there will be some that your kids, I don't care who they are, anybody can apply. So the databases, they're going to cost me a little bit of money or a lot of money? Read. Do not, I do, I totally disagree with paying for anything I don't have to. Okay. There are, the majority of, de of decent databases are not going to cost you a dime. There is one or two out there that have a monthly fee and they're charging you because what they are saying they're doing is they're going to pre-fill in the demographic information for you 
like, really, do I, do you need that? Come on. No, you do not need that. And when you look up how many scholarships are in their database versus some of these others, they're not. So it's, it's just, I don't pay anybody. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I'm, I'm of the mind. You shouldn't have to pay to apply for a scholarship. Uh, Even if you run across a scholarship that wants $16 for, you know, whatever handling and whatever. I look at it this way. If they can't afford to hire somebody, they can't afford to give away a thousand dollar scholarship. Not worth it. There you go. Makes sense. Okay. So you started helping other parents to do what you had blessedly done with your children um, years ago. And so I'm I have to talk about the coaching business because that's the purpose of the podcast. But like I said, I really just, oh my goodness, when I when you we connected, I said, oh my goodness, I have to talk to Denise. This is amazing. But you started years ago. I don't know how many, so I'll ask you to tell us that. And um, how did you start? Who did you approach? And did you start after you've gotten your daughter her scholarships or did you start after your son? Well, I never thought I would be take, I never thought this was a thing. I, I didn't, I did it for my kids and I thought that was it. My, when I, my son was five years younger. So when he, when we dropped him off at college, my husband and I bought a 42 foot motorhome and went full-time RVing for five years. The entire time I was getting emails and text messages and Facebook messages from friends or friends of friends asking, okay, Denise, here's where we are. What do we do next? My, my, my friend told me I need to talk to you. Um, you know, what do we do? And I literally, Kanisha, found myself just copying and pasting. I don't know. This is what happened. Whatever, you know? Because I really didn't know if it was just my kids. Right. Was I but just that did, lucky? I don't know. How did they right? know that you had done this? People it would. Okay. So here's the thing. I did not know how much money my kids had won until my son's high school graduation. Because when I say, when I hit send, it is out of mind. I mean, it's out of mind. Oh, you won this. Cool. It was an email. Fabulous. Next thing you need to know, do is send them an email from the check, please. Check the box. And I moved on. I never added up how much money my kids won. But they added it up and they spoke at my kids, my son's high school graduation, and they announced how much they won. So that's how everyone found out how much money my kids had won, because I didn't even know. I know it it, it was a thing, but like I said, you're going to get rejected a lot. So just learn to put it aside. Um, So that's how they knew my church knew um, and then other church members would find out and they kind of put it in the back of their head, well, my kid gets to this age, I need to talk to Denise. So at some point, as we're on the road, my husband said, well, you know, you know, you're, you're sitting here doing pretty much nothing, just enjoying the life on the road. Uh, why don't you start a business of some kind? And I'm thinking I'm already doing it. Let me just get paid for it. Right. right. Um, so that's how it started. That's how I began um, understanding that this was a need. And I sought out mentors to help me with an online course. I looked at different platforms and I'm a computer programmer by trade. That's my degree. 
So I wanted a platform that was going to require as little work as possible because I understand the background and what goes into it. So it's like, I don't want to have to do that. I want somebody else to do it. Um, so yeah, that that's how it got started. Uh, I mean, there's no better advertisement than, you know, multiple thousand works. dollars being <laughs> announced at the graduation. People, yes. Okay. And so since then, have you basically grown it by word of mouth or has it been TED Talks and speaking engagements that you've done? What have you done to grow it? Uh, well, I tell you, probably the most thing that has grown it for me is Facebook groups. It is the long game because in other people's Facebook groups, I answer questions, but I can't advertise. I can't promote myself. I can't say, come to me for scholarships. I can't say anything. So I literally answer questions and eventually people recognize my name and they will go to my profile and say, who is this chick who knows all this stuff? Because I will contradict what other parents say in a heartbeat. If I know darn good and well that what they're saying is a myth and it's going to put your kid in debt, I will tell you. So people will go to my profile and it's written all over my profile what I do. And if you're interested in learning more about this, DM me college or, or join my Facebook group because I do have my own. So I bring in people that way. I do speak a lot on summits, podcasts. I do have a TEDx talk. Um, which has over 17 or 18,000 views. Um, I love speaking. I love an opportunity to get parents to understand that there is a way, there is a way to make this work for your family. Absolutely. What, Denise, I hear Facebook groups all the time and as a way to grow your business. And thank you for saying it's a long game. So yes. I'm curious which Facebook groups you're in because- the reason I ask that is because I think sometimes we think, oh, I'm an architect. I should be in a Facebook group with other architects. Those are not typically your clients. So Correct. I'm in, I'm in parent groups. I'm glad you asked. I'm in parent groups that have a either a homeschool or a high school to college type of, of, uh, of, of you know, subject. I have gotten kicked out of a couple because I've accidentally said something or mentioned something that had to do, you know, sometimes you forget what group you're in. Sure. So that does happen. Uh, and it is the long game. I mean, you have to know where your clientele is. If your clients are on LinkedIn, go to LinkedIn. Now I have a LinkedIn profile. I have not gotten any clients directly from LinkedIn, but I have been asked to be on other people's LinkedIn live. And I have gotten speaking gigs from that. So there's different ways to play this game, but as a business owner, I highly recommend you don't spread yourself around too thin to every freaking platform out there. Learn where your clients are, learn where your people are and go where they are. That makes sense because we only have so much time in a day. And so you have yeah. to strategic with your time and, unless you're going to hire a full-time VA who does nothing but post on all these platforms exactly um as you mentioned you're speaking are you not in high schools are high schools not seeing what you're doing and reaching out and saying come please help us talk to the children or we'll invite the parents for if they you know it's interesting where I am um it seems that PTAs and PTOs have gone out of style. Uh, uh, 
It's not a big thing. I, I've looked at several for like, you know, because, you know, I'll drive three hours to speak to people. Uh, actually, I've driven a heck of a lot further than that. But because uh, I've gone to many states this year. But when it comes to speaking in schools, pub the public school systems generally don't let you go in unless you are, or don't won't even look at you unless you are a nonprofit. Oh, yeah. Okay. I found that out the hard way uh, when I was looking at uh, being able to speak with a public university mm -hmm. and without being a nonprofit speaking on this topic um, was a no-no. And it I'm sure it depends on the state. I'm sure some states have different rules, uh, but it's, it is something that I'm working on. I have a, a group of entrepreneurs that I work with who's, who only serve families and we are developing an international nonprofit that we can all utilize for that purpose. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This, this information. You would think. Right. And you know, what's so cool. I, and again, I'm late to the party when it comes to statistics, a lot of the times, and I shouldn't be because, you know, I like numbers, but the national statistics for kids winning scholarships is grim to say the least the number of kids that actually win scholarships are very few and to the point where only one percent will win a scholarship and 97 percent of those are winning i kid you not twenty five hundred dollars or less um, it's, and, and you're talking private scholarships there. There's more that will win a scholarship from the colleges. 1% will win or be offered a full ride scholarship. Like both my kids were one and a half percent will be offered a full tuition scholarship, which is awesome, but only 0.3% have enough scholarships to cover their entire cost of attendance, 0.3%. Even less have cash left over. Both of my kids had cash left over. My daughter had four grand left over. My son had 10 grand left over. Crazy. Then I looked at my stats for the people, the parents, the families who are using the crack in the code to free college strategy. If they have gotten through at least 37% of the course, they don't even have to finish it. At least 37% of the course. 100% of them have won at least $48,000. Excuse me, what? Uh-huh. At Wait, least you don't mean you don't mean forty eight thousand dollars individually. You're totaling all of your students together individually. If they got through at least thirty seven percent of the class of the course, and you see a lot of people do let it sit in cyberspace and do nothing with it. Very true. Right? I mean, that's the thing. I got squirrel syndrome too, hon. I got plenty of crap up in the air. I tell you, swear to God. 
of the people who have gotten through at least that much, I forget what's the percentage. Um, I think 31% of them are in the 0.3% who have college completely paid for. My goodness. Denise, that's amazing. It's a strategy that works and it's really exciting. You are changing the game. I'm trying. And oh, because every time I speak, I ask this question to any of your listeners out there, hon, if you can find $500 to $1,000 per year, please offer a scholarship to someone in your community. You do not have to be a nonprofit. You don't even have to be an established, quote, business. You can be just plain Jane or Get together a few plain Janes in your neighborhood. Maybe all of you attended the same college or university, or you all, you know, have kids at the same high school or had kids at the same high school. Offer a scholarship to a child in your community. You set the rules. You can say only the first 100 applicants qualify, and you can toss everything else in the trash. You can make it easy on yourself, but be part of the solution. I love that. And as we talked about, my mother is one of those and I give her many cute kudos. And so I'll give her a shout out because she actually, we have two in our family that she started and one in honor of her mother and then one in honor of her sister who's, who has passed. And so she's a believer in education. She was a teacher at some point um, in her life. And so absolutely we have two family scholarships. So thank you for saying that. Okay, we have gone so quickly in this time, but I'm. This is one time I am. I'm always grateful for the time that you, as my guest, grant me. Um, but I'm so glad we had an hour and a half because we needed all of that. And now you all have heard forty-eight thousand dollars after thirty-seven percent completion of her course. Y'all need more of her. So if you, if you have children of any age. Aunt, you has nieces, nephews, godchildren, grandchildren need to reach out to Denise. And we're going to talk about how they can reach you in just a second. My last question before we get to our quick fire round before you go set of questions, Denise, is as you're coaching parents, are you at some point replicating yourself so that there are more of you out here to spread this message? That is a really good question. I have thought about teaching what I teach so I can have more of me to teach it. Um, I haven't done that yet, uh, but it is something that I have considered definitely because I, I think that even high school counselors can do this if they want to. It's, it's really not that hard, um, especially when you're coaching parents to do the majority of the work. Yes. Please do, because high school counselors have a lot and they'd they be great, but a parent whose life you've changed, recruit them because they are going to be an advocate that is going to be able to touch you in real lives. It's what you're doing is so important. Yes, so important. Okay. okay. Are you ready for the before you go quick fire round of questions? Go for it. Go for okay. it. Let's see if I can do it. Denise, in your business, what is one tool or app you would not do business without right now? 
Oh, goodness gracious. I tell you, I have used this tool for at least probably five or six years. It is a Google Chrome extension called OneTab, O-N-E-T-A-B, and I believe it's one word, if I'm not mistaken. What it does is it takes all the open tabs you have, and you click the little blue funnel, the icon for OneTab, and it funnels them all into one page, and all of the links are still active. But it frees up all of that space and that energy in your computer, but it saves it all. Now, here's what's really even cooler. Let's say you're doing, I'm doing a scholarship searches and I've got 15 or 20 scholarship open thingies, right? You know, tabs that are open, but I got to go cook dinner. I got to go pick up a kid from school, whatever. You can hit that one tab icon. It all funnels into this one little section on a page. And now you can title it scholarships about zombie apocalypse or whatever, you know, and each time you hit the button, it creates a new section. So with every series, you're in good shape. It's pretty oh. awesome. I, I just freaking love this tool. I talk about it all the time. I've never heard of it. Oh, wait, and get guess what else you can do with it. Okay, let's say your computer has to go into the shop. You can export the entire list and send it to yourself via email. What? Uh-huh. And then re-import it so in case so you don't lose it. What? Come on, you are speaking my language <laughs> because I keep at least 10 to 12 tabs open all the time. One tab, thank you. One tab. Okay, all right. What tool do you use to collect payments from your clients? PayPal and Stripe. Good. And we've talked about this, but your most effective method for finding and securing new clients? Yep, Facebook. Definitely most of my parents are on Facebook. Uh, secondarily or a close second would be collaboration or joint venture partnerships who promote my offers. Excellent. As I am going to do via this podcast. Okay. That's right. Um, what tool do you use to set up client meetings? Scheduling with Calendly. And of course, meetings are always on Zoom. Yes. All right. What is the one thing you attribute the most weight to in scaling your business to six figures? just being myself. I used to see experts uh, on stages and they would have so much energy and it was exciting, but that's not me. <laughs> you know, it's just, I'm sorry. It would be inauthentic and, and exhausting for me to do that, to portray myself yeah. from the stage. And of course, that's not what they're getting when they actually, you know, hire me in real life. Yeah. So just being myself and my wanting for my clients that I want them to be able to do what I did for my kids. That is the excitement that I bring because uh, it's, it is freaking exciting. Absolutely. I love that you said that. And I love that you are who you are because as we were talking, you know how excited I was when we got on this phone and my 70% natural state is this excitement level. Um, people have asked me, are you real? Yes, I'm naturally this happy because Jesus woke me up this morning and I'm breathing. So I'm good. <laughs> okay. But as you've talked, like I even felt myself just calming down. So you have a calming presence with just how you, how authentic you, you are. And so thank you for that. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Last question. 
one book or podcast you'd recommend as an absolute must to consume? Well, if you haven't read it yet, um, okay, I'm going to have to get it. My brain is like, I can see the book in my head. Hold on. Um, Story Brand. That is the book everyone needs to read. If you're an entrepreneur, read Story Brand. Um, the, the author's name is killing me right now. Uh, it's got, it's the, it's a white, white page, red lettering. Can't miss it on Amazon. And it really helps you to hone in on getting into your client's head and how to present your client what their needs are, what their pains are through stories, because we all think in stories, believe it or not. And as weird as that sounds, when it comes to creating your child's college application, we're telling that story. Most of that application is black and white, but there's an order to it. And then the essay or essays brings life to that order, brings life to the story. That's good. Because you're right. We often, when people are talking about mindset, how often do we hear? It's the story that you're telling yourself. And so we think in stories. Excellent. Denise, how can people find you, connect with you, work with you? You've shared it a little bit in Facebook, but tell us again. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm on most platforms. I utilize Facebook and LinkedIn most often as far as messaging. It's an easier way to reach me rather than email. I literally have more than 30,000 unread emails. Please don't email me first. If you're going to email me, connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn and message me and say, hey, Denise, I sent you an email. This is what it looks like. Because otherwise, there, I only get to the first 100. I just don't have time to go through that many. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. So um, I have a gift for your audience, though. Your audiences, the majority are uh, business owners. And I have an ebook titled The Business of Paying for College, How Business Owners and Six-Figure Earners Get Free College for Their Kids. I love it. Thank you, first of all. But, oh, I love that title. That's Thank so you. good. Be delighted to make sure make sure you all grab this. Oh my goodness. I am going to be kicking off my email campaign list because I've not started one in four months of doing my podcast, but that will be starting soon. That will be one thing that I make sure I include going out. So awesome. Thank you. Denise, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Thank you most of all for what you are doing and attempting to do for our youth today. Well, thank you, Kanisha, for inviting me to your show. I really appreciate you sharing your audience with me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Coach Up Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with someone else, with another fellow entrepreneur, a friend who you know needs to hear this message. Also, if you've enjoyed listening to the Coach Up Podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you get notification every time a new episode comes out. And if you would be so kind as to make sure that you go follow me at The Connection Collaborator on Instagram or LinkedIn at LinkedIn forward slash Kanisha Hart, then I would be delighted to connect with you, hear from you, and hear your feedback on how the Coach Up Podcast is helping you in your business. Again, as always, thanks for being a part of the Coach Up Podcast. We will see you on the next episode.